You are listening to Mommying While Muslim Podcast, where hosts Uzma and Zeba share their personal stories of mommying in a post-9-11 world. This podcast is designed with the Muslim American mom in mind, so grab a cup of coffee and pull up to their table. Assalamualaikum, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mommy One Muslim Podcast. This is Uzma Jaffrey. And this is Zeba Hassan. And we have not seen each other's faces in a very long time. That is what happens when you batch record. But yeah, you, know, you wanted weeks off. This is how we're going to have to do it. You will no longer Sigh. get to see my beautiful mug. Okay, well, now I'm going to have to, like, set up a time to actually call you, like, go old school style and, like, call you and talk to you other than texting you. You know, I um, don't with my phone calls unless I have to, right? I don't either. Like, I what is trauma. it up with that? Yeah, I have some kind of trauma about phones. Like, I think it's those days of um, living with the pager call. and yeah. calling back people. It just, there was always bad news on the other end, so I don't like phones. Well, I won't give you any bad news, but I would love to see your face more often. And I am super excited to see it in person in a couple of weeks, inshallah. Inshallah, yeah. I feel like we have our, instead of every two decade reunion, it looks like every two years we'll be having a reunion. Yes. I am super excited about that. Tell me about, So how was your week? You tell me, you tell me about your week. I'll go first. Eid Mubarak. Eid Mubarak. Since we didn't get to see each other on Eid. Um... I am really happy to report that this year I did not get ahead of the game and order my gifts until the very last weekend before Eid started. Good. So I'm like a normal mom now. I have joined okay. the ranks of the normal mom. Not an okay. overachiever, don't need to be, and I feel no guilt about it. Um, one of the things I do want to suggest to moms who are struggling to um, figure out what to get their kids for Eid, just get them things they need. I had to buy new basketball shoes. And new soccer oh, and those shoes. are expensive. It's a okay. huge investment, y'all. Yes. So it's like, you know what, son? I am gifting this to you. And that's really nice of me because usually I'll make them pay for half of it if it's outside of Eid, right? But because it's an Eid gift, I figured, okay, here you go. You need it anyway. It's useful. Let's do it. So um, that's my little shortcut to kids. And had a nice dinner with friends, went out so nobody had to cook. And, you know, it was great. Gifts in the morning. Salah in the morning, out in the open, so we felt safe, wore our masks, and, you know, had our good family time, and got to take the coveted Eid nap. You know, the coveted Eid nap, right? Between Salah and dinner, that nap is like the best nap of the year, and as a mother, it is my two times, two times of like, you know, flashbacks to growing up. And getting out of those like hot, you know, sticky embroidered clothes and getting into your PJs in the middle of the day. Who wears PJs in the middle of the day? I know COVID, but no, I I never did. (laughs) So it's really, really nice. And then you wake up, you get ready and go to dinner. It was beautiful. Friends and family and the family that we choose. So I really loved it. How was your Eid? So I got to celebrate Eid in Chicago for the first time in a gazillion years. And, you know, I'm just going to be... Um, blunt, like Chicago does it so much better than DC. So I'm just going to say that. And I know them's are fighting words for people, but I got to tell <laughs> you, the South side, so it's okay. okay, Chicago knows how to have Eid. And it's sad because my poor kids got to experience that. 
And then they're like, why do we not have this stuff in DC? And I'm like, we just don't. So sorry about that. And Very at kids. least we got to celebrate it with my nieces and nephews and my brother and my sister. Um, by the time this airs, I can't wait to hug them and hold them because it's been way too long. I think one of my nephews actually ended up going through puberty. And now he has like a deep voice and he was a baby when I saw him. And now he has a deep voice and I am so excited to see them. But no, Eid Mubarak, we don't... For this E, that we kind of more focus on charity and giving because um, part of it is the sacrifice, as we all know, the story. And so we really focus on how are we going to help other people. And that is my gift to them that I feel and hope that um, I'm like, you don't get anything. You get food and you get to help somebody else. So I'm giving you the blessing of Alyssa Valamathala. So that is what I do for E. But I know we have a very big soapbox. And this is something that is true to my heart because we just got over being super sick mm-hmm. like and by super sick like down and out sick not covid not the flu not anything not strep guess what everybody a regular cold but because our immune systems haven't been tested we got knocked on our butts so you best believe we started putting our mask back on so Usma, could you tell us a little bit about what our soapbox for the week is Yes, I am happy to do that. And uh, what ended up happening is you mentioned it's a big soapbox in that it's a big topic, but it's not necessarily like a very long one. So don't get scared and don't forward and flip because this is important. Um, Heads up, in addition to several other counties around the United States, the biggest ones that we have, LA County, Sacramento, and Yolo counties out of California, reinstated their indoor mask mandates because only 40% of their population is vaccinated right now. Um, And that is mostly older adults. So who's showing up in the ERs and the hospitals for hospitalizations with COVID? Younger people, unvaccinated people, unvaccinated children, because guess what? where a lot of them aren't allowed to have the vaccine. So um, they are coming up uh, COVID positive and a higher incident of that Delta variant is showing up in California. And according to our last administration, it's only because we're testing for it. Well, now we know um, that the Delta variant is very highly infectious and very highly contagious. We don't know yet that it's more um, dangerous or long lasting than the regular COVID strain, which is the alpha strain we've been dealing with or the formerly known UK strain. Um, Their infection rates in um, LA County went from 2% to 3.5%, which doesn't sound like a huge change, but it means an exponential amount of people were infected. So they went a couple of weeks ago from having um, 1,300 people infected in one day in that county to over 3,000. So that's um, that percentage is showing almost a doubling of the COVID cases in these counties where vaccination is just not reaching the threshold that they wanted. We were all assuming that once we had 60%, we would see a drop in our COVID infection rates, but very few counties have hit 60%. It's New York, which was the hardest hit during COVID, is the one that was able to do it in open. But what LA County has found out is that within one month of lifting those indoor mask mandates, their number shot up. So now they're shutting it back down. And before there's a lockdown, we highly encourage anybody in their locales to go ahead and observe the indoor mask rate. You know, like, just think that we're trying to be like the mothers of the believers. Yes, gentlemen, even you. 
try to be like the mothers of the believers and cover your face because like Sabus showed, uh, her family demonstrated that as soon as we started taking our masks off and went out and started, started to do just a little bit, a fraction of our normal activities, we're going to drop like flies. If it's not with COVID, it's going to be with something normal run of the mill that we're just not used to tolerating anymore. And then we have a higher incidence of vaccinated people fully vaccinated people getting the Delta strain of this COVID um, virus. So please, coronavirus. So please be careful, get those masks on and, um, you know, exercise caution wherever you go, protect those around you, which is most important. And that's our soapbox for today. I totally 100% agree. Like I said, I we thought we had COVID again. It was as bad as when we actually had COVID. And guess what, everybody? It was a regular cold. So that's how much, I mean, I'm still feeling it. So you're gonna, that's why I keep going on mute because I'm still not 100% with my voice yet. And it was not fun. And please, especially if you're on other people, let's mask it up. Um, there's At this point, we're used to it, right? My kids are so used to it. I don't get to wear fun lipstick like our beautiful co-host, uh, co-host I'm going to be introducing here in a second, because the reality is I get it all. I forget that I'm wearing lipstick and I get it all over my face and that's okay. Um, I still have to find a lipstick that stays on the mask. So I'll have to ask. Okay, so I'm going to have to ask our, our next guest, who I'm so excited about introducing today. We are wrapping up our July series of Muslim representation and entertainment by talking about the music industry. I know it's not the most popular topic to talk about in the Muslim community. However, we're going to talk about it here today. And we saw this amazing person uh, perform during one of our conferences that we were had the blessing of attending. And we had to have her here today. So let me introduce Amira Doherty, aka Amira Unplugged. She is a rapper, singer, spoken word artist, and she truly is an artist, who was a pre-law student until last year and is now pursuing her lifelong talent of creating four causes. And thankfully, she's here with us today as a Muslim woman, literally using her voice to communicate across all boundaries and connect with humanity on the base level of music. She faces hurdles within and without outside of our community. Let's just be real. It's not the most uh, fun thing to be a part of. She's got a special ability that we value in singers like Mandy Harvey. And we have to talk more about the representation as well, which we will do that after winning the PBS celebration of music competition she went on to receive a coveted golden ticket golden ticket to american idol season 19 but you wouldn't know because that footage wasn't aired hmm believe us we'll be discussing that and other things including how i wanted to be a rapper back when i was a day and thankfully nobody got to see that so welcome amira (laughs) for joining us here today on momming while muslim Thank you so much for that awesome introduction. I'm so excited to be here today. Assalamualaikum. We're so happy to have you, Amira. And we usually uh, kick off the podcast by asking our guests to um, tell us a little bit about their mom's story. And if they don't have kids, tell us about your mom and how she's influenced your body of work. We know you talk a lot about your dad, but we would like to hear a little bit about your mom and how she informs your work today. Well, I really appreciate that. And first of all, like salam, um, and thank you so much for the opportunity to talk about my mom because um, my my dad is so directly influential in my music, being a singer himself and so expressive in that. But 
I do get a lot of influence from my mom. She's an artist uh, and a writer. She's a businesswoman. And she's always worked hard to kind of blend her creative side with her professional side and to be this outspokenly like joyful person in the world. And I've always gained a lot of confidence seeing the way that she carries herself in situations where you don't see a lot of us, right? She is a black Muslim woman who spent a lot of time in corporate America. And she was just as fun, as loud laughing, as creative as ever while she was there. And then she struck out on her own um, a couple of years ago to start her own business, which is taking off with her writing and seeing her pursue that passion, be herself in every space, you know, that she's invited to or that she pushes into really like, I feel like I want to cry. Like it really does inspire me to just go full force I can go to her for advice anytime, you know, I go and ask her, you know, think little things like even things, things like, why isn't this video performing super well? And she's like, I need you to put your phone down and go read something so you can be inspired for your next piece because you're getting too wrapped up in, in all of this. Your success is going to come when it's your time, inshallah. So, you know, just seeing everything about who my mother is and how she affects how I view myself has always been so important. I love that. I'm like taking notes for my own kids because none of them know what they want to do with their lives right now. And I'm like trying to be hands off and not tiger mommy, but at the same time, like you want to push them to fulfill all of their potential and like go explore the world and find your place in it. So, um, they right now, because I guess the oldest is 13, he doesn't want to have anything to do with me most days. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm trying to um, keep those doors open and not mess up that relationship. So I will remember your mom's example. Thank you so much for sharing about her. I did before I ask you to tell us about your family background and how you made that pivot from law to music and some of the causes that you've been working for and towards, um, I did want to mention how much I love uh, love your um, levitating because of the whole oh. Wingardium Leviosa. I love any Harry Potter fans <laughs> are like my people. Oh my gosh, I love Harry Potter. And like, yeah, so I went to a women's college, right? Um, an inclusive women's college called Agnes Scott. Okay. And it, Agnes Scott is like Hogwarts. I'm not even kidding. Like our library oh. looks like the Hogwarts library, we are divided into every class as a color, red, blue, oh yellow, and green. And you get a mascot. We play Quidditch during oh. our, like, like, we're very, we're very much that we have Harry Potter week and like butter beer and all of the things. So they indoctrinated me. Into this that. is a new vacation spot. Inshallah, I know we're allowed to vacation. I'm writing it down right now. <laughs> Go to Agnes, I was supposed like, I'm going back to college. I'm going I back am. to college. <laughs> that is awesome. That's awesome. That and your love of river dance. The first time I got really yelled at by my mom was when I bought tickets to Riverdance in college. And like <laughs> everything bad that could have happened that night happened. We got oh. lost downtown. We got late for the show. And then when the show was over, we got lost in the garage and when we found the car. Oh. The car wouldn't start. And my mom is screaming on the phone. Back then, we didn't have cell phones, right? So I'm like calling from the security guard's phone. This is why it's haram for you to go to dancing and music. And I told oh, you. No. <laughs> Oh, no. And I was like, but my sister here loves Riverdance. She gets me. She gets Michael Flatley. So 
I know the I know the pattern like by heart, and I'd be like, as a kid, I'd be downstairs going do 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 like like they're doing the whole song. Yeah, that's awesome. And I know that the beats and that um, the vibration is going to be really important. And I really look forward to you talking about how you incorporate that into your music for that special superpower we were talking about. But why don't you kick it off with your family background and your pivot from law to music? Absolutely. So. Um, I grew up here in Stone Mountain, right in Georgia. I say Atlanta because no one knows where this is, but Stone Mountain is where it's at if you're coming to Georgia because we have this beautiful, weird piece of granite, right? And we have all of these trees. It's just just such a lovely area. And so I grew up here with my little sister, Amina, who's taller than me. So my little big sister, my mom and my dad. Um, And we're kind of a weird creative family. That's how I always describe us. My dad and mom are both writers. My dad's a singer. My mom's a painter and my sister's a sculptor. And so we all are kind of in here losing our minds 24-7. It's so funny. Like when I go downstairs, there's always a new bust or a new thing my sister has sculpted. And I always jump back because I'm like a person and it's not. It's it's, it's what she's been working on. Um, But I think that being in a house where everyone is kind of rapidly pivoting back and forth between the traditional professional realm and the creative realm has kind of helped me to toe that line and to keep that balance within myself and to recognize that we have multiple passions to pursue in this life. Um, And if we give ourselves the space and the time, inshallah, we can do it. And I think that my family has been a big example and a big help in that for me, um, which takes me to the law music sort of pivot. So I have been passionate about law and politics since I was like eight years old. I carried a briefcase as a backpack like, <laughs> all through elementary school <laughs> until it busted in the middle of the hallway. Like it was it was that bad. I wore fake glasses until I realized that I needed glasses. And now I have and now I do. Um But I've always wanted to help people in some way, right? And at a career fair, when I was eight, I met an attorney who said, you know, if you want to help the world, you should consider being a lawyer. And I kind of stuck with that. And I ended up going to law academies, like throughout high school and mock trial, all of the things, right? Um, When I did dual enrollment, my degree um, was criminal justice. And then I graduated with poli-sci. But throughout that whole time, I was constantly performing, right? And it was just what I did to feed my soul and what I did to feed others, right? Um, whether I, when I was in classes, I was thinking about what's the next thing that I'm going to sing, that I'm going to learn, that I'm going to write to try to cheer somebody up. And I never really thought of it as this is going to be my career. I just thought this is how I can help people now, you know, immediately. And so when it came time to go to law school, I sent in my applications. I was getting some offers back and then COVID hit. And when COVID hit, I had to make a choice. And I decided if I go to online law school, I'm going to fail out. So (laughs) I um, decided to take a, take a gap after I um, had done some political work and I decided to do something to help uplift people. And that was posting inspirational songs, posting poetry, and just trying to get something on people's timelines that would make them smile while we were all inside. I did not expect the response that I got 
from people, DMs, like all of the time, people just saying that like they just were looking forward to the next thing, looking forward to the next song, live stream, anything, because it was helping them to not feel depressed in this time or was helping them to, you know, feel like there was something beautiful or hopeful. And that inspired me to want to keep going. Um, Then American Idol called in, when was it? In June. And I was just shocked. I was like, I just started this back. (laughs) Like, what's going on? But I had my executive call with them and they wanted me to come. I came out there. It was a lovely experience. Everyone was amazing. It was very surreal to sing for the celebrity judges, but it it went well. I have my ticket on my wall. And um, from there, even though that footage did not air, it inspired me to continue because when I posted the news that I had gotten the ticket and that this moment had happened, I, I tell you hundreds, hundreds of Muslim young women DM'd me and just emailed and said that they were inspired by the story, that they wanted more. And so I've been opening up since then, sharing more rap, sharing more of my own pieces and preparing people to kind of hear what my voice is so that so that they're prepared for the next thing, which is the single and album release. Which we are super stoked about. That is awesome. Thank you. No, we're super excited about this. And and I agree. I, I can imagine that you did receive hundreds, if not thousands of calls. Because, you know, when you're that little girl, I even had my own um, screen name, Tallulah Banks, um, when I was a kid, remember? And because I was like, I'm going to be a performer. And when you have all these people come to you and you're like, you can't do this. This is not for you because it's haram. It's this and this and this and this. That that spark that makes you unique in who you are starts to go um, dark on some level. And the fact mm-hmm. that you have had such an amazing um, family that helps to facilitate and to keep that spark going is such a testament to them. So I would love to meet them, inshallah, at one point. But, you know, okay. we talk, you're, you, you alluded a, l- a little bit to your um, American Idol not airing. And of course, I would be remiss to not ask, like, what actually happened and why didn't they air it? I know a lot of the things that they can't because of production and all of that, but what, how did we miss out on being able to see representation of little Muslim girls on an American Idol stage? You know, I, I'm honestly not sure. <laughs> Unfortunately, they don't give you an answer, right? They, when the shows are airing, then they tell you, okay, this is your week that your episode's going up. Make sure you advertise. And then that didn't happen for me. And so when the audition, the last auditions were airing, they emailed those of us who they decided to pull and said, thank you so much. You were great. And kind of just let it go. Um And at first I wasn't going to really say anything because, you know, I wasn't trying to imply that they were being malicious or anything like that. But I felt that I would be robbing people of a chance to see that this can happen, you know, and inshallah will happen for real one day for people to see us as as normal people pursuing dreams um, on a television screen, which we're so sorely lacking representation of. Uh, So I'm not sure, but I do know that I tried to make as much of an impact as I could so that they'd see that people are ready to see people. They shouldn't, no one should be scared to put us on their screens. That makes me feel a little bit better because of course I jumped to conspiracy theories and I was like, it's because she spoke up that they cut her. 
Um, <laughs> but you know, you're you're telling me the timeline is after they decided not to air it, they let you know that um, you're not going to progress and and move on. But you know, I think they missed such a huge opportunity because what a beautiful story to tell during a very critical year of a black Muslim woman, you know, who wears hijab and is very visibly Muslim, being the first person from my understanding to ever get a golden ticket, right? I mean, that's right. huge. And that would have been huge for people like my daughter who are closet singers and like hide and like pretend like the hairbrushes, the microphone have beautiful voices. But, you know, I would love for her to feel safe doing right. that and to feel like she would be validated and valued doing that, not just by her own community, but by, you know, mainstream community that really let's, let's be real. Like they hold the power and they can mm -hmm. make or break, break careers. And, you know, inshallah, it will happen one day. I know they have lots of comebacks, uh, comeback episodes and everything. And we're going to see you again, inshallah. But um, since we are talking about the policing of Muslim women's voices, let's talk about, you know, not just in the mainstream, but in Islamic spaces. What do you say? Cause I'm sure like for all of your supporters, there's always at least that one person mm -hmm. who's like, hey, sister, it's haram. Did you know? Blah, blah, blah. What do you say to people like that? And then what do you say to people like my daughter um, who are secret singers or to people like Zeba and I, who when we sang, were also told that we were performing, you know, something haram? Absolutely. You know, I think first to the people who try to say it's haram, I, I strongly disagree. I've studied for years and years, you know, to try to find Where's the source material? Why are we why are we banning Muslims and specifically Muslim women from utilizing a gift that Allah has given to us, you know? And people argue that it's alluring, you know, that it can, you know, carry messages that are haram, um, that lifting your voice is immodest, things like that. To these people, I give a few examples, right? First, uh, the prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, his own daughter, reading poetry to soldiers before they went out to war to inspire them. Um, and being very vocal and using her voice, you know, for a positive message. You know, when Muslim women in the prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, his whole family, you know, uh, his, his wife um, that we revere so much was a businesswoman, was a strong woman who led people and who made sure that you know, people were well taken care of and, and, and no one really was concerned with her being a woman, right? And she was one the first believer, you know what I mean? And so these people who see anything that women do, any movement that we make as sinful or temptation, you know, I, I tell them to look inward, right? Um, I think that music, like so many other things, can be used in a haram way. It's about what you're speaking about. It's about the way that you carry yourself and who you're trying to touch and who you're trying to speak to. My dad and I, you know, when we were working on the first iterations of my performance like as a kid, uh, we made a decision that every song I put out would have something to do with the other aspects of the human experience besides love and intimacy, right? So I would talk about inspiration, hard times, you know, mental health. Um, distress, storytelling, things like that, that can get people through a day. And I think that to throw away an entire gift that Allah has given us would be a true shame. I was watching a documentary actually last night on um, the Summer of Soul, and it's about this incredible, like 30,000 person a week concert that was held in Harlem um, the same summer as Woodstock. Um, it ended up having 500,000 people total that came. 
And one of the um, one of the attendees um, was interviewed now in the present day. And she was discussing how she desegregated her college and women would be beating on her door. Right. Because she was the first black woman to attend the school. And the whole time she would be playing Nina Simone, young, gifted and black. And it got her through college, that music. So saying that to say the idea that something that beautiful, you know, could be completely thrown away, something that that did something that historic and does something historic for people every day could be completely thrown away and be, is said people could say it was haram. I think that that is a true shame to people like your daughter. I would say there are going to be people who hate everyone, everyone. If she was a blonde white girl, people would say something about her hair or her face or her outfit wasn't cute enough. People would be unfortunately coming with the objectification and everything like that. So something I had to do was remind myself that there are many broken people who are looking to break you. Right. And what you respond with is your wholeness and your love that you put out in your work and you attract the energy that you put out. So you attract that love right back. And I think that you'll find that there will be an overwhelmingly higher amount of people who support you than who want to detract um, if you keep pushing. I love that answer. I hope my daughter <laughs> listens to this episode. <laughs> she, she definitely will. And I definitely appreciate the, the insight to that as well. You know, you've mentioned your dad a couple of times. Um, you know, we, we started off this episode with you talking about your mom and you getting so um, choked up talking about her. And like I said, inshallah, one day my kids will talk about me the same way, probably not for a decade, but it's, <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. So, so how, and you, and you mentioned a couple of times that your dad is also a singer and then it seems like creatively you guys kind of feed off or gain energy um, from each other, how important of a role is your father currently playing in, in your musical career? Um, my dad plays a huge role in my musical career. He is my manager, right? And he tries to make sure that I stay on top of my schedule, which can be hard. So I appreciate him for that. Uh, if I need new equipment, like he makes sure like, okay, on it, we're in the cart. Let's go. Let's do it. Because it's all about trying to get to the next stage that we can touch the next group of people. And that's, you know, what he believes. And he's always there with an idea, with a very, very constructive criticism, right? Um, and just the next thing that's going to take me to the next level. So I appreciate him a lot for that. That's awesome. Does he write some of your music or do you write your own? I write my own music. Um, but I do run it by him and like, he'll be like, I don't know, you might need to work on this section a little bit, this, that, and the other thing, but I definitely learned from him and I learned from hearing his rapping and his singing when, he, when, um, he was more active in that. That's awesome. That's awesome. So like, um, going back to these aspiring singers, uh, aspiring Muslim singers, how did they get started? We realized that, you know, with the democratization that's present in social media, you could just literally TikTok and YouTube your way through it, but not everybody is going to get a call within months of doing that like you did mm -hmm. from American Idol. How does the average uh, aspiring Muslim singer, like what is the process? Like what do you suggest that their steps be in order to make it? I would say in this age, start on TikTok. I did not start on TikTok, but I would like 
I started on Instagram because I didn't know where it was going to go. But my growth on TikTok has been exponentially larger than Instagram. I started my TikTok page in February and I'm at 50,000 people now. And I'm trying to grow over the course of the year, inshallah. Instagram's great with connecting with people you know and then eventually building out. But if you want that immediate, yes, we are going to put you in front of some people, even though there's some problematic stuff. But if you if you want the immediate, you're going to be in front of an audience regardless of your follow account, uh, follower uh, count and you are always going to get fresh eyes on your work. That's where you go. Um I would also say go live. That's something I'm trying to um, get better at as well. But going live on Instagram and TikTok are really, um, th- those are really good platforms to get yourself out on. And it will push your content out more to people who are like your own fan base. Um, and then I would say immediately start working on your original work, right? Um, I probably would have started trying to get my stuff produced sooner um, if I knew what I knew now, Um, just because what you want to do is, again, get people immediately hearing your voice and your perspective, because as a Muslim artist, you are unique, right? You do come, you know, with a different worldview. And so you don't want to just, you know, put the same thing out that everyone else is because you are special and you should come from your own perspective. I think that's great. And like boiling it down to three points is really, really helpful. I'm taking notes. That's why I'm looking <laughs> down over here. Because apparently Ozma and I, we're going to actually see each other for the first time at this conference. We're going to be making some tip TikToks and becoming TikTok famous. Yes. We have to go to Nashville anyway. So hello. What else are you going to do in Nashville? Apparently we're going to TikTok. Okay. So no, I'm just, I'm joking. So I think I would mortify my daughter. My daughter would die if she oh. saw me singing on TikTok, but we might do something fun. Just keep an eye out everybody. But you know, <laughs> it, there's, there's something really unique and interesting about you that I learned. Um, so we're going to call it an ability and it's the single sided deafness. Now, can you talk a little bit about that? What accommodations do you need and how does that actually impact music, which is obviously a very sound base. Um, Mm -hmm. And and how can you help other people in similar situations? Absolutely. So um, I lost my hearing in my left ear when I was a little kid. And I think that, you know, it's a very surreal experience, right? One day, every once in a while, I'll be like, oh my goodness, I don't hear anything over there. Like, that's crazy. (laughs) But Alhamdulillah, um, I I can hear and I try to utilize and train my ear to the best of my ability to really pick up everything, the nuances and the things that are so important in music for hard of hearing and fully deaf people. So, for example, in my own music, what I'm trying to do is add a lot of texture. Um, I'll go back to the story really quickly from when I was a kid. The first song that ever like impacted me like in that regard with my hearing was lights by Ellie Goulding. So I was listening to it on my headphones. And if you're not familiar with the song, I don't know, it, it has the do, 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 right. And I felt that in both ears, even though I couldn't hear it in the left one. And I just started crying <laughs> because I wasn't hearing it, but I was experiencing it. And there's a lot of patterns that you can feel 
that make you feel as though you're hearing the song and you're having that full sonic experience. So from that point on, I decided, you know, if I did ever put out music, it would include those textures. Um, I would be the Ben and Jerry's of uh, sound because um, it, it's going to help people who don't experience sound like most people to enjoy music. And I want to make music that deaf people can enjoy. So deaf people enjoy music through bass, through sonic, like different sonic patterns and things like that. Um, in regards to accommodations, it's interesting. It came up a lot at American Idol, actually. When I was having, when I had my audition, the piano was on the left side. So I kept turning like, I don't mind if I move. Like, <laughs> and they, they didn't know why I was turning, but it's because I couldn't hear it. So when I got to the next round, uh, they they made sure to put the piano on the right. And then my monitor had to be different. So I had to use a behind the ear monitor um, because in the ear, I wouldn't be able to hear myself or the piano um, like most contestants could. So I have to um, I have to get special monitors. And eventually, hopefully, if I like I'm going to be fundraising because there is a, a device called the trans ear where if you put it in one ear, the, the hearing ear, it will transfer sound from the deaf side to the hearing side. But it's expensive, but I think it'll be worth it. So those are those are kind of all the accommodations and the ways that I uh, intend to incorporate that into my music. Yeah. And having seen some of your layered work, like that Beyonce piece that you did. Oh, my. It's thrilling. Guys, go to her Instagram and check it out. It, it like blows your mind. Um, just all the tech that went into that, that you had to do to create that. I was like, that is so much work. This is why I can't be a musician. <laughs> just podcasting. Because running three tracks, okay, fine. But like running seven, no way, man. That is really hard. Um, but have you found that like, um, like Mandy Harvey is another mm -hmm. um, musician, singer who is, has sensory neural deafness that she acquired late in life. And she takes her shoes off in order mm -hmm. to feel the vibration on the floor. Have you found things like that to be helpful or wearing those sensors on your wrist to see, to pick up the sound helpful at all? First, I love her. I must rewatch her audition like a, a, a few times a Do year. Do you weep every time? Yes. I did e it again easily. last night. I wept again. I was like, what is wrong with me? Oh my gosh, because it's so inspiring. So inspiring. I never have had the courage to take my shoes off. You know, I, that hasn't been my thing yet. But I would love to try um, something like that because like when I'm recording myself, sometimes I touch my microphone, right? And different things like that. And I don't even realize it really. Um, but these are things that help you. And so seeing someone like that really was inspiring. Yeah, absolutely. No, I love it. I love it. Um, I think this is going to be our last question. Yazeba, before we move on, Amira, what do we need to do better to support Muslim musicians and Muslim in particular, because I feel like to date the space has been populated primarily by Muslim men. If mm -hmm. Muslim men did get into it, and I feel like for the most part they didn't do too much for us for our community. <laughs> Whereas, I mean, they kind of just went mainstream and did it yeah. the way people are doing it. But what you're doing is actually amplifying causes and amplifying discussions that need to be had for, you know, social justice and for activism and for change. I think your 
going to make a difference because that's what women do. We just get down to business and we're, we're doing work, right? So we want to support Muslim musicians. How, as a Muslim community, can we do that better? I really do appreciate that question. I think the first thing is, if you see a Muslima who is performing, follow her. Just do it, okay? Even if she's early in her journey, because it can be easy to be discouraged when the clothes you wear are different than most artists, the way that you you know present yourself, the dancing is mostly absent, and you're relying on different things to you know uplift your own message. So it's so encouraging to just see people who say, hey, I'm really supporting your journey. I'm going to follow. I'm going to be active and comment and I'm just here, you know. The second thing is support the artist, right? Stream the music, donate. Those things really matter because music is expensive to make and hard to make money from. (laughs) And so being able to rely on the streaming and rely on those donations from people is super helpful, um, especially as you're trying to make a space for yourself. It carve out this little space in the mainstream where you can still be yourself. You need a lot of you need a lot of your own backing to have you know the leverage to do that. Um, and last is you know give Muslimas space you know give Muslimas grace you know because. We are not perfect people. No one is. But when you have a hijab on and when you say loudly and proudly, like no matter who you are, that you are a Muslim and you are representing, you know, and you really want to try to represent people kind of see you as the poster child for the religion. You know, (laughs) and um, I think that, you know, as hard as you try, someone's going to disagree with something. Be be respectful and give people grace to grow and to, you know, continue to rise in their own, um, in their own, uh, Islamic interpretation. I love that last point because, you know, Islam is not a monolith. So Mm -hmm. everybody who's made it and has the platform or has the stage is not going to practice or look or be exactly like me. So whatever objections I have are good for me, maybe not for her. You know, and maybe what she's doing is good for her and not for me. And that's okay, you right. know, but to just categorically reject people and start, um, you know, the witch hunts, it's just, it's old. And I'm hoping that right. our generation is going to be the generation that breaks that pattern and is one that is not going to be, you know, the, the crab basket where, oh, they're, they're getting out of the bucket. We need to pull them back down. No, mm-hmm. push her push her out because the more we push out, Hey, maybe only a couple of us will be left at the bottom, but the majority of the folks will be out of the basket and shoot, making their own swimming out to sea. That's what we want to see. Inshallah. That'd be amazing. Inshallah, From your mouth to God's ears. You know, normally we end our segment with um, like rapid fire, but in, as a way to kind of get to know our, our guests a little bit more deeply, but I feel like, Perhaps if you perform for us instead, we'll get to know you a little bit more deeply in your own words. So would you be willing to perform a piece for us here today, Miss Amira, as I'm totally putting you on the spot? Sure. So I'm trying to think if I should do a sing something or do a piece of my own rapping. I'm trying to decide which one. So please help. I love both. <laughs> I, I really like well. rap. We've had Mona Hader on here before, and we all know how um, influential her. and meaningful mm-hmm. her rap is and, you know, how different it is to hear a Muslim rapping. Because even, you know, in mainstream, it was such a big deal to have a female rapper. And I don't think any female rappers outside of 
outside of salt and pepper, did anybody really make it? Ooh, Lauren Hill. I oh, love her. Lauren Hill. Yeah, Queen Latifah, a couple of them. But I feel like Queen Latifah to me is more an actress now than a singer now. Yeah, I know. She just made that transition so well. So seamlessly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Then now we need Amira. Now we need Amira to do it. So I guess that's your answer, Amira, is Osmo wants you to rap, my dear. Okay, so I have um, I have my single um, that uh, that I'm working on coming out called Chase the Stars, and it, it has singing and rapping in it. But I'll do the first verse. So I'm gonna snap because my laptop's dead. So I'll snap. <laughs> okay, dropping songs to slice your obstacles, ride the rhythms to reach the possible. Cause when stars are shooting you down, are you Kimbo? Are you Rocky? You're moving or Are you stoppable? Are you listening? Am I audible? Huh? Let me pose a theory that's plausible. To be laudable, turn potential energy to kinetic locomotion to start your chronicles of success. You're feeling it and your follicles, the motivation to win, it's inexhaustible. See the forces that diabolical plotting for your destruction, don't worry, they're not insoluble. I don't mean to get philosophical, nah, but I'm telling you they are nominal. In the face of your power, promise, and purpose, because one thing's for certain, you're phenomenal. Chase stars down till your shoes worn. Light the skies up as you soar. Break free, win more. Shake the doubts out from your core. So it's like a piece of it. I love that. I love that. And we're talking about having your shoes off to feel the music. My foot's moving. It is. Well, I, I can't stop it. Like, I can't what? not dance, okay? Because oh the Haram God. police is going to be like, why are you dancing on oh, TV? But we've we danced love it. before on here, so it's okay. We can and do everything I got, on I got goosebumps, and, you totally know, we are it. definitely going to be sharing everything that you're doing. And I never go on social media, ask Uzma, but I have followed you on my Instagram. I had to f- figure out what my password was because guess what? I forgot it. Um, but enough that I wanted to support you and start, um, you know, pushing you forward because that really resonated with me. And thank you so much for being here today on another episode of Mommy Well Muslim Amira. And we look forward to seeing and experiencing all this through your eyes. Um, yeah. Thank you so much, Jazakallah. Thank you for having me. I really do love this podcast. So thank you. It's so fun to be here. Thank you. We are so waiting for the single to come out. And if anybody wants to find it, go on amiraunplugged.com and you can um, support the album coming out because that's what we're going to do is support our Muslim musicians and get the word out, get their voices heard, inshallah. So, Jazakallah khair, everybody. Thanks again for joining Zeba and Uzma on Momming While Muslim today. Please email us your thoughts or questions and follow us on Facebook and Instagram because this podcast was designed to cater your needs. Make sure you check out the show notes to find the links and resources for this episode. And remember to help a mama out and leave a review of the show as well as to like it on your podcast app of choice because that helps us grow. Tune in next week for another episode of Mommy While Muslim. Assalamu alaikum, everyone.